your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM on a Monday. I'm Rick Solom. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. I should turn that on so I can read the text if they come in. Uh, Brad Williams is going to come in here in a couple of minutes. And Joe Heim, the former a retired political science professor. He's now retired. We call him the UW Lacrosse political science professor, but I just learned today he's fully retired after like 50 years doing this. Uh, political sciencing, I call it. I make it a verb. Political sciences. So he's going to join us. There was a debate today. I don't know if you caught it. Between, I'm going to get the names, Jill Billings and Jerome Gunderson. I always mess up. I always mix up Jill Billings and Jennifer Schilling for some reason. Maybe because they rhyme and their first name starts with J. And then Gunderson's in there with his first name starts with a J as well. So, you know, someday I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess his name up too, I'm sure. Uh, but there was a debate today. Did you happen to watch it? What did you think? Uh, it was about an hour long. I think it was exactly an hour long and um, for the 95th district. So that's. That's that's our district right here, right? Lacrosse's district, not my district, but but your your district. Yeah, emeritus, 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 emeritus. I couldn't say it. I had to. I I uh, thanks Main Street guy. He's if he's if he's retired, he's a professor emeritus. Is that how you do that? Seriously, like it's not. I don't know. It's easier to just say he's fully retired. Um, the death count in Lacrosse County. Uh, a couple of different ways to to go at this, but if you haven't heard yet, there's been three more deaths that happened over the weekend in Lacrosse County. I thought I thought at some point it was four. There was some confusion Friday on the uh, COVID. Co- the COVID. We should just call it that. The COVID collaborative website the Cooley COVID-19 collaborative website uh it was at nine total deaths then it went to 10 um and then today it was at 13 but uh I have it straight now so there's been three deaths over the weekend one on Saturday reported and two on Sunday so we have 13 total deaths now and and we've had eight in the past seven days or Maybe it's eight in the past eight days. Now, if I think about the, yeah, eight in the past eight days, because October 5th, there was one. And the demographics, I actually have demographics on this now. The Lacrosse County Health Department, Maggie there at the health department was nice enough to talk to me for way longer than she probably wanted to. Just on th- how things are going and what's changed since it's turned into the collaborative, which is also kind of coincided with our case numbers skyrocketing. And they're starting to come down now a little bit, but um, so far in Lacrosse County, everybody has been sixty or older. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of the thirteen deaths have been people eighty or over, and that's all I know. So when I say, and that's all I know, when I say that, I mean 80 or over, we don't know if they're in their 80s, 90s, 100s, 110s. Um, for some reason, they, for some reason, for reporting purposes, 80s like the cutoff, anything over, anybody over 80 years old. Um, and now I'm just realizing it's really weird to talk about people that have died. 
Um, as a statistic, I always start reading the numbers and then I start thinking about, oh yeah, these are, uh, so, um, yeah, now I'm starting to get weirded out by just talking about deaths as a statistic. But anyway, three people have died over the weekend, a person in their sixties and a, a man in his sixties and then a man and a woman 80 or over. So that's the news there. Um, that's so yeah, Greg, there, there you go. I'm getting text, uh, their ages. So, Hey, I'm way ahead of the game. Uh, also another, uh, 31 cases reported today. And I talked to, I talked to the health department a little bit about, you know, what, what they're doing, what they're not doing. Uh, in the past they had those public, you know, I, I want to say press conferences, but more like public sessions and the press got to ask questions. And I thought those were, those are helpful. I think they're they're probably time consuming. Uh, the, the, able, the the ability to get everybody uh, rounded up at a certain time. If you want to get some experts in there, you know, and if you want to get multiple people in there to answer different questions, right? Because if the media is asking questions and people are asking questions on Facebook Live comments, uh, you're going to get different uh, perspectives. And and maybe having multiple experts in there to answer those questions is great. Um, I also heard uh, Lacrosse County Health Director General Balski was back at work today. She's been off since I believe Tuesday when the county health department announced she contracted COVID-19. So she's been recovering at home and she's back to work today. And when I say back to work, I mean back at work. She's actually working from home. Uh, I think a lot of the people with the health department are working remotely and, and you know, just what, however they're doing that. I, I think a lot of this is contact tracing so that a lot of their work is just phone calls. Um, but yeah, Jen is, is, I'm glad to hear that she's back. She's feeling good enough to work. So, um, a couple days, a uh, little six days of recovery, uh, or more, I guess they announced she got, she, uh, had COVID-19 on Tuesday, but you know, she could have had it before that and, and been off work. We don't know. Um, but it sounds like from the health department, that's, that was the case. Uh, and then statewide, the numbers a little bit better. I mean, we're not at 3000 cases. But I always find like Sunday and Monday the case counts are a little bit down for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I didn't ask them that. The county health department. Maybe it was, I don't know if they would have that answers. But um, if you dive into the DHS website, there's a, there's a lot of information on there that you know there's some that's that's a little bit confusing. And I was trying to figure out how our nursing homes are doing, and there hasn't been an update on that since the beginning of October. But, uh, you know, that's that's one of the worrisome things here with with this virus is obviously once it gets into the nursing homes, it's devastating uh, to those. As we saw in Winona, I believe, you know, at one point, I think 11 out of the 12 deaths were out of one nursing home facility. So, um, all right, I'm going to I'm going to take a break. We're going to let Brad do the news. Then he's going to run in here and we're going to do a little three three person session here with Joe Heim on the phone and uh, UW Lacrosse, former political science professor Joe Heim and, and Brad Williams, both of them. Well, Joe watched a debate, but Brad was involved in the debate between between uh, Jill Billings and Jerome Gunderson today. So uh, let me know what you think, too, if you got if you got uh, comments about the d- debate, how you thought it went. Uh, assembly debate for the 95th District. Shoot me a text, 608-785-7914. All right, we'll be back after this. I'm with him. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. On the phone with us now, with us, is Lacrosse, former UW Lacrosse political science professor Joe Heim, who recently retired after nearly 100 years. 
<laughs> uh, how's it going, Joe? <laughs> oh, pretty good. I feel you're pretty old, though. Since since I hit a hundred, it was I've gotten a little older after that. Yeah, nearly a hundred, so not quite. And then Brad <laughs> Williams is in studio with us. Um, Joe, we'll, we'll just Brad was in on the debate today. He asked uh, how many questions did he ask, Brad? Oh, wait, here we go. Let's try this. There we go. I didn't hear myself. There you go. I, I am wearing the face covering here, so <laughs> yes, I, I got in four, four qu- questions. I I was able to ask about uh, the state of the courts and jails in our area and also uh, tourism because that's something that Jill Billings works on and it, it's something that has suffered during the uh, pandemic. And so that's some of, the, of what I was able to talk about during the debate. Joe, Joe, how did you feel, uh, Dr. Anthony Chagoski, your your former colleague there at UW Lacrosse, did uh, moderating? I thought he did really well, uh, particularly because this was a you know a Zoom uh, debate, if you want to call it that. It has particular difficulties. Uh, I thought he handled the thing really smoothly. The guy's very good. Now, did you retire just so you wouldn't have to do a Zoom debate? <laughs> I could say that, frankly. Uh, Trying to get the, all this stuff lined up on Zoom is a lot worse than uh, than just doing it in person. You know, in person, you know, you got I'll show up at five o'clock on October tenth. You know, and then leave it at that. But then uh, Zoom is all different. Yeah, Brad. Well, I'd rather do it that way. <laughs> I hope yeah. we can get back in the same room at at some point and uh, do things. Hey, Brad, do you do you have a face or not? Or are you trying to hide it? Because I noticed you were uh, your voice was on that debate, but I didn't see your face anywhere. I'm in. I've been in radio forever. Who wants to see my face? No, I don't know. I, didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I have to pay a, pay admission on a stage to see my face, and that's sort of no thing. one ever. No one knows what you look like. Nah, I shouldn't. Just kidding. You. Well, Brad's sitting in here now. He's got a mask on, so we still don't know what he looks like. <laughs> Now, now getting into the debate a little bit, what happened? Did you, did you see Joe? Did you did you think anything in particular stuck out with uh, either either uh, um, Billings or or Gunderson's answers to some questions? Well, Jill Billings has not had a lot of opponents the last. You know, she was elected in uh, twenty eleven, if I remember correctly, and she I think she's had only one opponent in all you know those elections since then. So. She, she actually has not had a lot of debates, so I was kind of curious as to how she'd handle the debates without having had a lot of recent experience, and I thought she did really quite well. Jerome Gunderson was on the county board for a number of years. Uh, he's been around politics for a long time. He's part of the Gunderson family, uh, and I thought he did pretty well. He, uh, he knows the, you know, very obviously he's a Republican, and he got, but he got across the basic knowledge about the issues. Basically, he knew them, and he understood law and order issues. So I thought he did pretty well too. Considering he has never had that kind of experience at that level, uh, I think they both did real well. It was a good debate. It wasn't quite like the presidential debate of uh, what a week or two ago. Yeah, did you give Trigoski any 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 flack for not hitting the mute button on it? Nobody interrupted each other. I was a little disappointed, to be honest. You know, if I get this correctly, for Zoom, you can zo- you can mute people. You know, maybe we should do this for the presidential election, huh? Yeah, no, you you have that ability to uh, to mute people and uh, turn them on and off, which sometimes adds an additional problem. But uh, you didn't have to do it because I think we're uh, we're Western Wisconsin people here. We we uh, have better ethics, frankly. And, and Joe, UW Lacrosse political science professor, uh, retired. Uh, Joe Heim joining us here on Wisdom. Uh, Joe, did you did you see any any place where maybe one of the candidates should have interrupted? Because hey, this person is saying something that's you know not true, or 
or I want to I want to get in here or, or or even after they answered if they wanted a rebuttal and I I thought didn't happen. No, I didn't. I didn't catch any one time where I think she either she should have or he should have said, "No, that's not right. You know, you got it wrong." Uh, I thought they were both pretty uh, pretty civil to each other, frankly. So it's uh, it, it it was a welcome reprise from other other situations like that, frankly, where debates have become a little more like uh, blood sports. This was uh, a throwback to the to the earlier era when everybody was nice to each other. Joe, there were a couple of places I noticed that they did agree, uh, Billings and Gunderson agreed on uh, the eventual goal in a, a certain issue, and if not the uh, way to achieve that. For example, uh, they both talked about trying to get uh, students back into in-person classes and uh, trying to find ways to do that. They both were talking about uh, getting businesses uh, back into uh, a more normal situation, and uh, also they had different approaches of uh, trying to work together, whether that's going to uh, mean an end to gerrymandering in Wisconsin, we don't know, but they both said that uh, it is possible for the two sides in Madison to work together, and uh, that that was an encouraging uh, position I saw. Yeah, it's nice to hear candidates agree to don't you think, uh, Brad? I, I was particularly impressed by the fact they both understood the gerrymandering issue. <coughs> Excuse me, and uh, and basically sounded pretty similar in terms of their outlook on it. It's become so partisan that uh, for people in Madison, if you're Republican, you love the way we do we do redistricting. If you're Democrat, you oppose it. And of course, the shoe could always be on the other foot. But uh, yeah, it's kind of nice to hear people agree on things. Uh, Jill Billings, you might think, given the fact that her district is very democratic, that she'd be some kind of a progressive uh, ultra-liberal, and she's not. She comes across uh, very balanced, and she seems to work well with Republicans, and she gets named to committees and, and uh, commissions and things by, by Republicans, so it's a good, good indication. But both of them seem to agree on some of the basic issues out there right now. It seems to me that the uh, members of the legislature are more moderate than people would like to make them out because we, we occasionally get uh, surveys from groups that they'll have scorecards of here's how the members of the Wisconsin Assembly and the Senate voted on these particular issues and it's kind of weighted and it's like, oh, well, everybody in one party got at least 90% right and everybody in the other party is under 10%. And so, well, that, I don't know that they can all be considered so extreme one way or the other. It's It just depends on which issues you picked out that were going to uh, make a difference for you. Sometimes on the big issues, Brad, uh, it there's obviously partisan differences, but uh, they vote bipartisan in a lot more issues than most be realized. The difference is they don't cover that. You know, it's not sexy to say that uh, something passed uh, 80 to 19, you know, big deal. Uh, but it's much more, you know, much good. I, I guess there's a media focus on the negative, and I guess maybe that's normal. That's the way people are. They want to know more about that kind of stuff. But uh, even in these very partisan uh polarizing eras, I think the legislature in Madison actually does a lot of stuff together, and they're not as bad privately as they seem to be publicly. You're right that they it does not get the coverage from the media that it should, because if you go to a city council meeting, La Crosse City Council, and uh, people uh, who don't necessarily follow this, uh, many of these groups like the city council have a consent agenda. It's uh, where the large majority of the items that are on the agenda for any particular meeting are going to be 
uh, ones that they decided, well, everybody pretty much agrees on this. There's Nobody's going to vote against this. We'll put them all together and then we'll uh, vote on them as a group. And that's how most of the items on the agenda get passed. Yeah, it's uh, one of the nice things about local government, and it includes the county board and city council, is that and other councils around the area, most of this stuff is for the good of the area, for the good of the citizens, not partisan. Uh, luckily, we don't have heavily partisan people at the local level. I'd have to say it's gotten a little more partisan in recent years, but not much. So the effect of that is that, uh, you know, we, we like our local government. I have seen many polls that show that we like our local government the best, we like the state government a little less, federal government the least. And that's because uh, local government is closest to us, and uh, they do things that are, are we, we see the impact of it a little more directly, and it's really not partisan. We're speaking with Professor Emeritus from UW-Lacrosse, Joe Heim, and Wisdom's Brad Williams. Oh, Anthony Tregoski's texted me, too. I'll have to look at that in a minute. Um, I, I wanted to ask, Joe, do you, with uh, with another debate coming up Wednesday, and 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 seeing what happened today, do you do you think there do we need to hit on other topics that maybe the the moderator and the uh, the panel missed today? I, I would like to hear a little more about uh, um, transportation issues. That is one area that both parties talk about, but for some reason it doesn't seem to get done. And, they can't, and part of it is the parties themselves don't necessarily agree on how we fund roads and, uh, and other types of infrastructure. So I'd like to hear a little bit more reason. I think in the lacrosse area, that is probably one of the major issues. That was... all, we all drive on uh, lacrosse street and uh, other streets that look like they need it badly. So uh, that's one area I wish they would spend a little more time on. They didn't spend much time on the university. Uh, I, being close to the university, I realize that they're in financial financial difficulties. They've been having cuts over the years. Tuition's been going up, or had been going up. It's been pretty flat recently. But I'd like to hear a little bit more about uh, what they're, they're going to do to make the university the, the uh, university that it used to be. Yeah, there, there was the uh, name drop that Jerome Gunderson did during the debate on, yeah, let's fix Lacrosse Street. So, so that did come up. Yeah, it's, it's, just a, it's a major issue that uh, for some reason has not been dealt with very effectively in Madison. Do you think uh, whatever candidate hit that issue, if, they, if, we, if we just hit that issue for the whole hour, maybe that candidate would definitely come out on top come November 3rd, huh? Yeah, we could, we could, we could all become single-issue voters. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, that's one issue that hits home around here, certainly. Uh, to be blunt, you, tr- you drive the east side of the state, and they seem to have really good roads over there. And you drive to the west, west of Madison, and uh, suddenly it seems like the roads start getting a little bit worse. And uh, I don't know what it is. It's just uh, money seems to flow to the more heavily urbanized areas. So it's, uh, that's an issue that I think needs to be addressed in this area especially. One of the nice things i got to say about our area legislators, regardless of party, Regardless of party, Brian Rood told me this years ago that uh, they they get together and say, "Look, we got to we're going to be outmanned by the Madison, the Milwaukee people, the eastern part of the state, the Green Bay area. We got to stick together for the good of Western Wisconsin." And our area legislators have had a history of doing that, and I appreciate it a lot. And uh, frankly, it makes life a little bit better around here. That is something that has carried on in recent years, even though it's it's more in a cluster lately that I've noticed that uh, you get the Lacrosse County representatives uh, who at this point are all Democrats. Uh, you have uh, Jilling. <laughs> I'm doing. See, uh, yeah, Rick started us, so I'm doing there. We'll call them Jillings. 
Jill Billings. <laughs> Jill Billings. It used to be Billings and Shilling and Doyle, and Shilling is not Billy, there. It's the point. law firm, isn't it? Shilling, Billings, and Doyle. And, and the, yeah, that's right. Uh, one of them. And then uh, you have some of the other ones that occasionally we bring in Tony Kurtz and Lauren Oldenburg and uh, people who are Republicans uh, representing the region, and they have their uh, agenda items as well. Yeah, there's. Uh, you have to know that uh, the lacrosse area, the, the county especially, especially the city, has become more and more democratic. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what explains that. Uh, there were times when I first came to lacrosse area that certain districts were areas like the eighth and the ninth district were uh, very Republican. Areas along the bluff were Republican districts, and one by one they've uh, sort of shifted to the Democratic side. The suburbs, I think, are a little more democratic than they used to be, although I think, uh, for example, in Steve Doyle's district, the 94th district, that district still leans a little bit to Republican. Uh, the 96th district has been um, in Republican hands for a long time, but frankly, Democrats are pretty strong down there as well. We're speaking with retired UW lacrosse political science professor Joe Heim. Joe uh, Chergoski, your colleague there, former colleague there, texted me and said uh, he said to tell you thanks and that you're the GOAT. <laughs> and if you don't know what that means, it means greatest of all time, Joe. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> yeah. You and Michael Jordan or LeBron James if you're in my camp. Or Ken Jennings. <laughs> um, Joe, we're in kind of a – the last question. We're, we're kind of in a weird situation where uh, you, you talk about a, a lot of the legislature, a lot of these people were going to um, – the incumbents are Democratic and – uh, the the challengers are Republicans. So the and a lot of the news coming out lately is you know the, the Republican led legislature hasn't met since mid April I believe, and you know they passed some COVID funding then they met they did meet for thirty seconds to not do anything with some police reform, um, but it, it's kind of a weird situation where we're where we're um, you know having these debates, but you you can't go at, after Democrats for wanting to meet in the legislature because they, they, they don't really have a choice here. Um, is there is there a way to, to address that in terms of having incumbents be Democrats that that don't really have a choice when the legislature meets, and then Republicans, um, you know, that are that are trying to take the seats, you know, th- th- they're not in the legislature, so you know, there's there's not that option either. I I'm amazed as a state legislature, given the circumstances in the state, uh, the unemployment levels, uh, the uh, uh, number of businesses that have closed, uh, the uh, Unemployment compensation issues, uh, as well as some of the crime issues, uh, you know, Kenosha. I am amazed that they have not gotten together and started to do their job. We pay these people our full time. I'm sorry, I'm going to yell on this one. We pay them full time to be legislators, and yet they haven't met in months. And they they could meet virtually. They could meet. They, they talk about being really busy, but the fact is they have not done anything. And I I think we need to hold those people accountable for this, frankly. I told Steve Doyle a couple of weeks ago we got to pay him by the hour. They got to punch a clock. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> Sometimes you know there was a time when I opposed term limits uh, for a variety of reasons, not very democratic. Uh, but I've come around to thinking that uh, term limits is not the worst thing in the world because uh, you need a little bit of change in blood sometimes. All right, Joe Hi, Brad Williams, thanks a lot. Thank you much. All right, we're going to take another quick break, Brad. You got two minutes to run back to the newsroom. And uh, do the news, and we'll come back. We'll we'll keep we'll keep talking about this and some other issues. Brad had some stories on uh, the board of public works meeting that I want to get into as well. Um, all right, we're coming back after this. I'm with him. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM six zero eight 
785-7914 is the talk and text line. There is a school board meeting tonight right after the show, 6 p.m. Probably going to address the SRO, the School Resource Officer Program. It looks like that is on the agenda. Uh, one of the things, it might be the only thing they're going to talk about. Who knows? Um, we'll have that up on wisdomnews.com after the fact. Let me break it all down. I think there was another meeting today on PFAS, the uh, the firefighting foam. I think Caitlin's going to have that story at some point too as well. Uh, Brad, another story today. The public works, the Board of Public Works meeting, and this is something. Uh, always, there's always news coming from these Monday morning meetings. You almost need to make them Monday night meetings, I think, so more people can see what's going on. But uh, the Lacrosse was Municipal Boat Harbor. Uh, might need more parking space. It sounds kind of like, oh yeah, of course, yeah. But due to due to COVID, so you always kind of wonder, like, uh, well, how long are we going to be in this COVID mess where we're going to need more parking space for the boat harbor? Um, and you know, if they're if they're thinking about permanently, at, you know, shoring shoring up some some parking spots at the boat harbor, that uh, maybe this is going to be here for a while. Um, but but they they didn't inform City Brewery who's using some of that land uh, that they want to make parking, so they, they they have to postpone that idea for a couple of weeks. That's uh, just one of the the couple of things that always comes from uh, the Board of Public Works meetings on Monday out of City Hall. Uh, Darren's calling in. Darren, go ahead. You're on the air, man. Yeah, I was very fortunate to uh, be at UWL and go through the Political Science Public Administration program while Dr. Heim um, and Dr. Beagle were both there. Um, totally different ends of the political spectrum. Um, but, and just, uh, yeah, really fortunate um, to have had an opportunity to, um, you know, get an education um, with those those guys. And just, yeah, wonderful. Um, a couple things that um, stand out here. Um, I know that we're again very hyper uh, political uh, season right now. Um, this area does have um, more of a tradition of bipartisanship, and that's why I do believe that you see from time to time a mix of uh, both Democrats and Republicans being elected in this area to represent us. Um, I do remember when. Dan Kopanke was in the Senate. I had an opportunity to meet with him in his office. This was when um, Act 10 was taking place. And I remember talking to him uh, specifically about him supporting Act 10, and, and but this area um, was not very supportive of it. And I, I mentioned to him, I said, you know, this area is not like the rest of the state. Uh, this area uh, values you know, education, uh, you know, values unions, um, and I think that this is really going to hurt you. Um, but he just couldn't bring himself to, to go against the leadership, Voss and Fitzgerald and obviously Scott Walker at that time. And had he done that, um, had he tried to broker a deal which would have uh, still allowed for collective bargaining, um, I think that uh, Dan Kopecky would probably still be in the Senate. Um, but that's uh, a decision that he made to go with that leadership. And I do think that both Voss and Fitzgerald right now are holding up a lot of opportunities for the state to uh, advance itself uh, because they are um, incredibly, you know, hyper-partisan and they just don't want to work with Tony Evers or give him any type of opportunity to advance any agenda. And I, again, think that, you know, like uh, Dr. Heim said, that, uh, you know, people got to hold those folks uh, accountable. 
Yeah, I saw. I saw. In terms of our state legislature doing any work, I, I saw an article, and I don't know if, how many days ago this was to to put an exact number of days on this, but uh, they haven't they haven't really met. They haven't really passed any bills in 170 days, which yep. seems a little ludicrous. And when you talk about comparing to other um, legislatures around the state, yeah, you, know, you know they other legislatures have met like you know some somewhere around 10 to 20 times in this period where our Wisconsin state legislature has, has met once for 30 seconds. Uh, we're just, we're just, it's a do nothing government that's getting paid full time and, and, you know, something's got to change. And I don't know how we address that when, with these debates in our area, because uh, a lot of the, the candidates are de- democratic and, you know, the challengers are Republican mm-hmm. while the Democrats seem to be, it's almost out of their hands in, in terms of trying to pass bills and meet and, and debate. Yeah, I think it's I think it's just a little bit of um uh you know the hypocrisy of blaming a governor for Wisconsin not moving forward when he doesn't control um the the legislature um you know that's that's on someone else and the and the policies and the procedures that are in place um, you know, we should let them play out, um, you know, let, let things be debated and then take a vote on them, whether you like it or not, at least go on record as saying, I supported this idea or I didn't. You, you shouldn't gavel in and gavel out just because you, you don't want to take a position on something. Um, we're watching a Supreme Court, you know, process play out. The, the Republicans have the votes to, to do this. Whether or not you believe it's the right thing for them to do, it's a constitutional right that they do have, um, let it play out and then take a vote. And maybe they do vote um, uh, this nominee and maybe they don't. But let the, the process play out and let it happen. Now, I know a lot of American people think that maybe it should wait. Um, but, you know, again, it's at, at least let the process happen. And then if you don't like it, you can hold the people who voted that way uh, accountable. But just not to gavel in and gavel out and not take a position, you know, you're not allowing the the citizens of Wisconsin to hear your position and, to, and then to judge you accordingly. All right, Darren, thanks a lot for the comment. Uh, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Yeah, the, I think the difference between the state legislature, I think these are two different topics almost. The, the, the Supreme Court nominating process right now uh, going on federally, you know, the, the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, it's just I think a lot of people want to point to the hypocrisy that they, they didn't, you know, even even hold a session for for uh, Merrick Garland, Obama's choice, and whether they would have nominated him at a, or you know approved him or not, who knows? I mean, if it's a Republican-led Senate, and they don't want to approve that the nomination by Obama. They could have delayed it, but it would have had to take ten months because Obama nominated that person. I think ten months, uh, you know, before his term was up, and and here we're, you know, less than a month away from from uh, a, a vote where we could. You know, we could just wait this month and then decide that after the fact. And while while we're at it, you know, pass all the uh, the things that our state legislature isn't really doing either. You know, maybe meet in session, debate a little bit, uh, work out, you know, where we want to uh, have or not have COVID-19 relief funding coming from the feds or the state. Uh, You know, maybe that's what they should be. They should be meeting more, more than ever. You know, at least virtually, say you're meeting virtually, you could put the meeting on online we could all watch it um but that's not happening at all so um 
Yeah. All right. We're going to take another quick break. Uh, we'll wrap up after this. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line if you want to get it back in here. Greg Texan, Act 10 saved taxpayers millions of dollars. But at what cost? To education, right? So, so it was a flip side to that. Um, the Joe Billings, Jerome Gunderson debate today is the first of five debates. There's going to be another one on Wednesday between, it's going to be a, a three-headed monster. Steve Doyle, the incumbent, the Democratic incumbent, and independent Leroy Brown, the baddest man in the whole damn town, and uh, Republican Kevin Hoyer. That will be at 12.45 p.m. as well on Wednesday. And uh, after that, there's another one October 16th from the 96th Assembly between uh, Republican incumbent Oldenburg and Democratic uh, runner up runner J- Josephine James. And then the 32nd district is October 20th, Dan Kopenke versus Brad Paff in the Senate. And then Ron Kind versus Derek Van Orden will take place October 28th. So that one's a, that one's a ways out. Not probably not even worth mentioning at this point. Uh, Donald Trump is planning to visit Janesville now on Saturday. If you remember, well, it was a little over a week ago now. Donald Trump had his rally for lacrosse canceled. And then not too long after that, it was rescheduled to go to Janesville. And Janesville was kind of like, eh, the public health officials there were like, eh, I didn't really want to rally, but okay. And then President Trump got COVID and then no rallies. But uh, this isn't a rally. It's a it's a fundraiser, it looks like. Uh, donations beginning at $1,000. So if you have $1,000 to blow, you can go see Donald Trump in Janesville on Saturday. Uh, Mike Pence is going to be in Waukesha tomorrow touring a manufacturing plant. Uh it says uh, the story says he previously had visited with Governor Scott Walker in 2017. There's also Foxconn news. Speaking of Scott Walker, um, it looks like the the state is going to demand that Foxconn, you know, I guess renegotiate their contract, so to speak, because they, you know, they changed up their their facility. It's going to be a very scaled back factory from what was originally planned that they were going to get the what two eight. $2.8 billion um, that we changed all the rules for. We changed all the court rules. We changed the wetland rules. We allowed them to take 7 million gallons of water out of Lake Michigan a day, despite the, what is it, the Great Lakes Compact that it's kind of sketchy on. Uh, can a private business actually do this? Uh, and it's like the largest giveaway to a foreign company in U.S. history for, for like taxpayer funds. So, yeah, maybe maybe relook at that since they they drastically scale back scale back what they're going to do there. Um, all right, we go to the phones. Eric Resparta is calling in. Eric, go ahead. You're on. Yeah, I heard the headline of the lacrosse community for writing critical care. I think it was. Anyway, it was the uh, president of Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin, and she said she's talking about the Supreme Court thing about that. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Roe versus Wade and, and Obamacare, and uh, she said, "quote." If they pass the law, gotta get it here a second. If they pass the law, restricting or uh, making illegal Roe versus Wade, she would 
Wolf. Well, it's what we're trying to abortion declare illegal. Atkins says, certainly we'll do everything in our power to ensure people have access to the health care they need and abortions if they need one. Now, is that kind of a break in the law, would you think? Okay, I no idea, Eric. <laughs> it sounded like uh, you were really struggling with the, the newspaper there. Is that what is that what was going on? Um, <laughs> or he was eating a bag of chips while talking. I'm I'm not sure. Um, haven't paid much attention to the Supreme Court nomination yet today. Other things to do. Uh, it's just not not one of the things that's that's all that. It's like out of our hands, right? Like you can get, you can sit here and be worried about it all the time. You can, if you want, you can call your senator and complain. But that's about, and then and then you can call the local radio show and complain, or or on one side or the other. I know, but uh, at this point, like that that stuff seems pretty out of one's hands. And as as fun as it is to talk about abortion on the radio, uh, I don't want to. So, <laughs> um. Uh, a couple of texts I got in here. Uh, Steve asked, so we were talking about you know this this debate this afternoon between Gunnarsson and, and Billings. Uh, one of, one of the issues was roads, right? And 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 Steve texts in, so who's gonna, who's the mayor going to blame for the roads not getting fixed since we have a worthless Democratic governor and Scott Walker is gone? So um, if you if you ever listen to the mayor when we talk about roads, it's a really boring conversation. But uh, you know the amount of roads that the mayor has fixed in the city. Is, is a lot higher than it was in, in the past. And it sounds like it doesn't, I always want to say it's six miles a year or something like that, which doesn't sound like a ton, but I, I guess that is quite a bit of a mileage. Um, but, but yeah, so, um, you know, we can point the finger to anyone, right? The Wisconsin Republican led legislature, the governor, the former governor, the, the mayor, uh, you know, it, it just, we're just running around in circles. All right. That's all the time I got for today. Thanks a lot for listening.